So I want you to use your imagination this morning as we get started. And imagine that you are in the middle of a basketball game, okay? You are on the court, and your team is playing this really important game that is in overtime. And there is approximately 30 seconds left, and the other team has just scored a basket to go ahead by one. And no, I'm not talking about the game on Monday night that some of you guys are already thinking back to. Some of you smiling, some of you not so much. But... This game, I want you to imagine, is the high school state championship game, and you are playing against your rivals. And so you are behind now by one point, but your coach called a timeout and pulled you all over to draw up a play. And so now it's time, and you're bringing the ball down. You get across half court. You make a pass to one of your teammates, one of your best friends um, you know, that has grown up with you. And then you take off running around one of your teammates who has set a screen. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's fine. You're just running around in a circle, and you begin to jump towards the basket, and right as you jump, your teammate throws the ball directly towards the basket, but it's not a shot. It is a pass that right as you get to the, the height of your jump, you are grabbing that ball, and you throw it down in the hoop, and you slam it down for the game-winning basket. Now, as I talk about imagining, some of you are like, I get like one inch off the ground, and oh, that would be great to be able to do. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I want you just to think about like the emotions that would be going on, that you would be feeling, that your teammates would be feeling, that everyone in the crowd would be feeling in this moment that has just happened, this victory, all right? Or let me let you imagine this. You wake up, but it's not just any other day. In the morning, you've showered, you've done your hair, you've shaved, whatever that is, you've gotten dressed because today is a special day. And so you go down to um, your kitchen, you make breakfast, all right? Because it's not just a day where you're grabbing like a Pop-Tart or anything like that. And so at this moment, you're having your eggs and your sausage and a toast and all that kind of stuff. And then because it's a special day, you decide, well, you need a special plate. And so you grab a plate that looks something, oh wait, no, that's a different illustration, sorry. You grab a plate and you have this breakfast and then it is time to go out to your job. You park the car, you walk through the doors and then for the first time you walk through this other set of doors into an office that is now yours. And you sit down in the chair and you just take a breath and you're like, this is now my office. This is your first day at the new job. And so you just sit there for a moment taking it in because this is something that you have dreamed about for a long time. Or I want you to imagine this, okay? Maybe some of you, it's not imagining. It's actually going back to this moment in time. But your kids are now hitting one of those monumental moments that it is now time for them to leave the house, okay? They are going to college. They are starting a career, and you have spent all of this time. You're like, yes, we have now made it to this point. Maybe there's some mixed emotions, but still, the excitement that you have helped them to get to this point, and so they're doing one of those things. Or now it's time for them to buy a house, or now they're getting married, whatever that is, and you just think about that moment and everything that's happening, you're like, ah, we're now here. Or I want you to imagine this, that you have a friend that is sitting next to you in a church much like this room. And maybe at the end of one of the sermons, you see them go back to the prayer room and then they walk back out and they come and tell you, they say, hey, will you baptize me? 
Like, and this is something that you have been praying for and you have tried to invest in them and you are so excited. And so it doesn't take you even a second. You're like, yes, you know, I don't care if I mess it up. It doesn't matter. I want to be part of all of this. And so you go back with them and you baptize them. And when they come up, you get the strongest hug that you have had in a long time. And you are just so excited about this victory that has happened. Now, in all these situations that I have you just thinking about in that moment of excitement, It doesn't happen just by accident, and it doesn't just happen, you know, all of a sudden. Like, there have been things that have happened to get up to this point. And so if you think back to that state championship basketball game, you think about the hours of practice and conditioning and weights, and not just at school with your team, but maybe even out in the driveway. Or if you think about that second scenario of now you have this job, you think about the hours that you have spent and maybe working different jobs in that company trying to work yourself up or the teams that you have been part of or the presentations that you've made or even the hours that you have worked to show that you are someone who is competent to be able to hold that role. All those things that happened to get to that point. Or if you think about, you know, that parenting illustration, um, if you're a parent, you know that that doesn't just happen like just like that. And you think about the amount of moments that were teaching moments or moments that you had to discipline or even moments that you cried right along with your kids because life is not perfect. And you just think about all those things or even the amount of self-sacrificing acts that you have done because, again, you wanted them to understand. You want them to know that they are loved. It's not just a one-time thing. Or even that friend who decides to follow Jesus. Like you have built a relationship with them. And you have chosen to love them. And not just for the sake of, oh, I want to see them choose Jesus. You have chosen to love them because they are important to God. And that has become that they are important to you. And so that even means you living a life that is consistent. That they see there's something different in you. And at some point when you felt the Holy Spirit prompting, you shared about Jesus. Because then they, don't, they know it's more than just being a good person. So there's some kind of conversation. And they've come and sat with you. And so all of these things have happened. And now you get to see the victory. Like there are so many things in life that we look at the victory, but so many steps had to happen before it got to that point. But we also see that in Scripture. Like if you were to think about a guy named Moses, man, here is this huge victory of leading the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And I can imagine still even the terrified feelings that everyone has. They're looking back. The Pharaoh's army is following after them. But they have made it through and God brings the Red Sea back together and wipes out their army and just the celebration that has to happen. And yet there was a lot that led up to that. I mean, think about time after time after time that Moses is speaking to Pharaoh or time after time that he is trying to get the Israelites to understand that, yes, God has sent him and he's got a plan for them. Or you think about the 40 years that he lived out in the wilderness, again, running away from an action that he had done and being taught by his father-in-law and understanding kind of what it's like to live out in the wilderness. Man, that's a big victory, but a lot of things happened before he got there. Or you think about a guy named David that got to be the king of Israel. Yeah, but that didn't happen quickly. I mean, he even knew as, say, a teenager that he was going to be king, and yet it was years until that finally happened. And so there are times that he's out in the field with the sheep protecting them. And then there's moments like when the king is being chosen that he's not even there. His dad doesn't think he needs to be in here because it's not going to be him. There's this moment where he kills Goliath, this enemy um, warrior, and takes him out. And yet even after that, there are years that he is running for his life from the king. And so what a great victory. But man, there's a lot of things that happened to get to this point. Or maybe we could look at Joseph from Genesis 
Here's Joseph who has lots of brothers and eventually gets to be number two in the entire land of Egypt, only underneath Pharaoh. And yet there's a lot of things that happened. Like here he is and his brothers don't like him and they throw him in a cistern. He's then sold and then becomes a slave to a man named Potiphar, but does everything well in his household and works his way up to basically number two in the house and is in charge of everything. But because of a lie, because of someone being jealous of him, he then gets thrown into prison and then has to be there again. And maybe he's going, God, what's going on? And yet he continues to live faithfully and God uses him in the, in, uh, the prison. Even so much so that in this moment, he's like, hey, maybe I'm going to get freed. Will you tell Pharaoh about me. This man says, yes, I will. And yet it's two more years until this man remembers to bring up Joseph to Pharaoh. Man, there's a lot of different victories that we look at, but you need to understand that there's a lot of things that happen to get to that point, which leads me to the big point of the sermon that I want you to understand today. And it's this, that God wants to work through us. But first, he wants to work in us. Like God wants to work through us, but first he wants to work in us. And I'm just going to tell you in our immediate type culture, we don't like that second part. Like we have, you know, your instant coffee. We've got your fast food. You can go to the urgent care and get rapid results. You can um, get speedy cash. We direct message other people. If you have a car, you can go to the express lube and getting gas. You can go to the quick trip or the quick shop. You got your choice. Like all those kind of things as far as we want things right now. But God wants to work in us before he works through us. And I'm reminded of a story that I've told before, but back in high school, I remember being part of the wrestling team and we had a match later on that day. And so there are quite a few of us that were running in this heated room, trying to lose weight to be able to make that weight. And I remember a student came in that room and after a little while he left. And as soon as he left, a lot of the wrestlers, we kind of began making fun of him. And he had done a couple things. It was like, that's kind of awkward. And so we had this conversation. About a month later, it was another wrestling match, and that day we were moving the mats to get ready for the day, for the, for the meet itself, and uh, I remember we were in the cafeteria because that's where they were being stored, and we were moving them, and the same student walked up, and I remember he was there and did something, and then he left, and again, those same wrestlers began talking about him, and, and, and I began to laugh too, and there was a teacher who came over and ripped into us, just said, who do you guys think you are, thinking that you are any more special than this other kid. And I remember hearing that. And my first response is I wanted to be defensive. I'm like, well, I didn't say anything. I was just laughing, you know, all that kind of stuff. And yet at that moment, God grabbed a hold of my heart and said, you're wrong. <laughs> like being part of that and laughing, like you're not putting any kind of value into this other person. And it was one of those moments that God had to work in me so that then it changed how I began to treat other people. And I wonder, if you think back to your life, can you point out some specific moments that God was working in you so that then after that, he was able to work through you? I mean, even on a whole different level, a lot of you may don't, not know this if you don't know me super well, um, but back in high school, I was absolutely terrified to do like even oral book reports in front of classes. Like I hated speaking in front of people. I was absolutely terrified, did not like it whatsoever. Now a book report wouldn't be that big a deal, okay? And all of that is because God was able to work. Like I said, all right, I'm going to let you do this. And it took a lot of steps to get there. But there are so many things that God wants to work through us but first, he wants to work in us. And sometimes that means actions that are going to happen. But I will tell you that it always starts with our heart. 
in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. This is what Paul writes. He said, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. If you look at that, it says God is working in you so that then he can work through you. And again, we love this idea of leaving a legacy, but we'd like to do it now. Like I'd love for my impact to be completely right now. But you think about the people who impacted you. It was through step after step after step that they did. It wasn't just immediate. Or we like the idea of an increased output. Man, that's great. But we kind of want a decreased input. Can I put a little more less effort into it so then this thing happens? Or we like the idea of God working through us. But that first part about God working in us, like that requires a process. That requires some patience. And that's not something that we always like. This idea of loving people one at a time, if we want to be able to do that well, we have to let God work in us first. Now, I do need to clarify something. Because maybe you hear this and go, okay, God's going to work down here, or He's working in me for something down here. Understand that God will work in you and even through you during the process. Like that big victory, whatever it is, that is not the only end goal. There are a lot of things that God will work in you and through you during this process. And so what I mean by that is if we were to go back, yes, Moses was able to lead the Israelites through the Red Sea, but you think about how he gave the Israelites hope, first of all. Or you think about David. Yes, he was able to be king, but he took out Goliath amongst this process. Or you think about Joseph. Yes, he's getting to be number two in the entire kingdom, but he was able to influence the family. He was able to influence those in the prison. And so God will use you in the process, but he's continually wanting to work in you to be able to work through you. And so that's why I say it's a continual process. We even see Jesus doing this. Like when there are crowds all around him, he steps away to be with the father. And I can only imagine what all of those prayer times were like. Was there ever a moment where it's God? I know it's another day, but will you give me eyes to be able to see each person for who they really are, for who we created them to be? God, today, will you help me to have compassion because I'm kind of worn out? Or maybe in that, God, will you please help me to have the strength to be able to do what it is you want me to do so you can work through me. If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. This is the story that we want to look at. Jesus is actually telling this story amongst a bunch of other stories in the book of Matthew chapter 13. But Mark 4, we read it here. And again, he's wanting to get a point across to those who are listening. And so there's a crowd around him listening. And so he is wanting to make this point. And so in Mark chapter 4, we're going to read this story that is verses 4 through 8. Okay, Mark 4, 4 through 8. Here's what the text says. It says, actually, I'm going to start with verse 3. It says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And so Jesus tells this story. Here's this farmer throwing out the seed, but it lands on different kinds of soil, and so it produces different kinds of crops. 
The one with the hard soil, it doesn't even get a chance to be planted because the birds come and eat it up. Then this one with shallow soil, but it springs up quickly, but because there's no roots, as soon as the sun comes out, it's dead. This other, again, raises up really well, except there's also these thorny bushes that are all around and it chokes out the plant. But then there's the good soil. And man, the harvest that comes from it is amazing. But this is one of the stories that Jesus actually explains. Again, the disciples are like, what do you mean by this? And so if you're to jump down to verses 14 through 20, here's the explanation. He says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and he takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. It says, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, they come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it and produce a crop, 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. And so in this explanation, Jesus is saying, this is all about hearts. You know, it's called the parable of the sower, but Jesus is the sower and the seed is the word, but it's all about the heart. How are you going to receive this? And some don't receive it at all. Some do for a little bit and then get choked out or it dies out. And then some, there's a harvest. And again, we can go right to the meaning of this, but have you ever just even stepped back and thought about just the process like of what it takes? Like here's a farmer planting the seed, all right? So that takes time. And then all the work to help it grow, working on the, on the grounds and getting rid of the weeds and those kind of things. So work and time that it takes for this thing to grow. And then there's the harvest. And we love the harvest. Like we love it when we see the fruit. You know, a lot of people will even go to certain places. I want to pick my berries myself. And so they can go and do that. But you know what? If farmers were to say, hey, do you want to come help plant the stuff? Like, nah, do you want to come help weed? Nope, absolutely not. But we love the outcome the process, like that's not always our favorite. And I think it's important for us to realize that there's always a process going on if we're open to it, that God is working in us and we're going to see the fruit. And so let me ask you, just kind of thinking in your own life, where in the process are you? Or could I even ask you this question? Which type of soil are you? Which type of soil is your heart? And for some people, like if you're being completely honest, you'd be like, you know what? My heart is probably kind of like the path. Like it's kind of hardened right now. Like I'm kind of cynical to anything that is taught. Like I really don't care. Like I'm not open. I don't want to, I don't even want to be here in church this morning. I'm simply here to keep the peace with maybe my spouse or I'm here to be able to check Mark off that, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. But like you really don't want to be here. And I'll tell you, like I can actually kind of tell like, I know you see me, but I can see you too. And so like, you know, I can tell by your body language. I can see when you're sitting with your arms crossed and some of you are like, oh man, you're sitting that way right now. It's okay. I get that. But telling you that, like this space of having this really hardened heart, man, it is a dangerous place to be because the word of God is being sown and it's not taking up root at all. And sometimes when we're in this spot, it can actually be hard to see that we're in this spot. And Kyle Eidelman, in his sermon based off this topic, he said, hey, there's five different symptoms that you can kind of look at to kind of help you know whether you're in this spot. And one thing he says is you're just going through the motions. 
You know what? I'm wearing the title of Christian, but like I'm just here and I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do, but there's no energy whatsoever. I'm not trying to get anything out of it or let God use me whatsoever. He said another thing could be that there's just this spiritual apathy, that I have no spiritual energy whatsoever, no desire. And so I'm like, I don't want to even read a devotion book that even has one verse. I don't want to do that. I don't have time, although I can binge watch whatever TV show it is that night, like watching four episodes of it. And so sometimes there can just be this spiritual apathy there that, okay, maybe my heart is kind of hardened right now. Or he said a third thing is there's this stubborn resistance What that is, is God's been convicting you of something. Like, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. But you keep putting it off. And it's like, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week or whatever. And the next week comes and the next week comes and all that kind of stuff. Or it's just, you don't even know when you're going to do it. You're like, yeah, I hear you, but maybe it's not that big a deal. And so there's this resistance to what God is wanting you to do. The fourth thing he says is that maybe there's just this bitter resentment. And what I mean by that is that basically you blame God for everything that's going on in your life. So something's going on. First, I'm going to blame God. And then secondly, I'm going to blame God again. And third, I'm going to do it again. Like this is all his fault. And I'm just completely angry with him over everything that's going on. And that's where I'm at. Or the fifth area that kind of falls into this idea of my heart being hardened is whenever I'm listening to any kind of sermon, I'm immediately thinking of other people. Boy, they need to hear this one. (laughs) Like maybe you're like nudging the person next to you or whatever that's like, but you're like thinking about people and they need to hear this. And oh, if they were there, like their toe needs to be stepped on, not mine and all that kind of stuff. But we're always thinking about other people instead of God, what is it you want me to hear today? There's not a humility and there's not a self-reflection. And like if that's you right now where your heart is kind of in that spot and you're like, I don't want to be here anymore. Really the place to start is asking God to help you. (laughs) God, will you help me? Like, I don't want my heart to be this kind of dirt. I want the seed to be able to be planted and I want there to be some sort of harvest. And so will you help me to even know what my first step is? Now that's some people. There's also three other types of soil. Some people, your heart is kind of like the one where there are these rocky places. And what happens here is there was an event or a time in your life that you were super excited about following Jesus. And so maybe you went to this event, you came back pumped going, this is exactly what I need. This is going to help me with my family. This is going to help me with my life, whatever it is. And so you are on board until... And it could be whatever, you know, it talked about persecution coming, or maybe someone else says, hey, maybe you ought to start doing this. And immediately you begin to change. Like there were no roots. It was all based off feeling. And if you're in this spot where at one time, you know, maybe you were even questioning, was it even real? Can I tell you? Yes, it was real. The Holy Spirit is very much real and does work. But maybe you're wondering, man, God, can that even happen again? It can. But I would also say if you're in this spot Instead of just praying, God, will you help me to feel things again? Because that's a shallow root. Will you pray that your roots can grow and that they'll grow deeper so that no matter if the sun comes out or there's a storm, that you will be able to stand strong. You'll know what you believe, or more importantly, you'll know who you believe. And so you're not dying out in the rocky places. For some, our hearts are more in that spot amongst the thorns. And even Jesus said, that you know what, things were going well, your faith was there, but then the worries of this life or the deceitfulness of wealth or the desire for other things came in. And so you were following hard, but then these things began to plant into your mind that maybe priorities shifted. Or maybe it's not even meant to happen, but there are things that happened at your job, there are things that happened in your family, at your house, whatever that is that you just had to spend more time in, and your faith kind of took a back seat. And what happens is it's been choked out by all these other things that have become more important 
or bigger priorities. Man, if that's you in this moment and you're even seeing that, maybe you're just praying, God, will you help the right seed to grow? Like help my heart to be the right kind of soil to help it to grow and let's get rid of all these things that are choking it out. And then a lot of you, your heart really is the good soil. Like it is that good soil that the word has been planted and God is using you to influence people one at a time. And the harvest that is actually going through you is producing a crop that is 30 or 60 or 100 times like what was planted. And there's nothing that you can go, hey, look, it's me. This is all the seed that comes from the word and God is doing it in you. But could I also tell you that some of you are in this spot with a good soil and you've had it planted and you're trying really hard, like you're doing some new disciplines, like you're journaling or you're spending some time in God's word. You're starting to give, you're starting to love people in a different way, except a struggle is, is you haven't seen any fruit come from that yet. Can I tell you, don't get discouraged. Like it's easy again in our instant kind of society to get discouraged if like, I'm trying this, but I haven't seen any changes in my life or anything like this. Understand that that seed is about to sprout up. And so continue doing the things that God has laid on your heart to faithfully follow after him because it will produce a crop. And again, sometimes we even look back at our life and there are things that have happened to us that were not from God. You know, people chose to do things to us or whatever and it was awful I also want you to understand that God can use those things. Not just can, like he wants to redeem them for good. The situation itself wasn't good, but he wants to work in you and even through you to be able to help other people in those situations. And maybe you've never seen that situation be like that, but God wants to be able to do that. Or even as I talk about this, you're like, you know what though, for so long, like I've had this dream to be able to go and do this, whatever that is. Understand that that dream may not be dead. That seed may still be underneath the soil, and maybe there's some things that God needed to do in you before he can work through you in that aspect. That's what I want you to hear today, that God wants to work through us, but first he has to work in us. And even with that, think about this idea that you cannot lead someone to where you have never been. Like I get maybe if you're going on a trip or something like that, okay, I'm going to look at, you know, everything about Memphis and know how to get there. I understand that. But like if you're trying to help people come to know Jesus in this relationship that you have, you can't pull them along to that unless you are living with Jesus. Okay, you can't bring someone to where you are not. And so God wants to work in you so that he can work through you. And even this question as we're talking about growing, if I were to simply ask you this, are you a growing Christian? How would you answer that? Like, how would you measure that? Like, for some of us, it's like, well, how much do I know? And knowledge is super important. Like, being in God's word, understanding certain things, that's important. But I wouldn't say that's the measure. You know, some people would go, well, look at my behavior. Like, it's changed. Like, since I've followed, started Jesus, like, I don't do this, or I don't do this, or I don't do this, or I do do this. And those things are important as well. But I would still tell you that's not the mark of trying to decide whether I'm growing as a Christian. I would say when you're looking at what discipleship is all about, following after Jesus, the real mark of whether you are growing, whether you are maturing, is how you love other people. That is a very real mark that you can go, am I taking what I learn and even what I'm doing and applying that to other people and really being able to love them? That's how you can tell whether you are maturing in your walk with Christ. But I will tell you that all of that, this big victory here, It starts 
with us giving God the space to work in our own lives. And then as you and I are obedient to him and we get to step back, the outcome of so many things will be way beyond what you ever dreamed or imagined. I will tell you this, because sometimes you can listen to this and like, okay, I'm ready to go do it, which is fantastic. I will tell you that not everyone is going to respond the way you want. Like as you're loving people, even with the genuine love of Jesus, not everyone's going to take the truth. And the reason is because they all have their own heart as a type of soil. And they're going to decide how that word is planted and what it's going to do in their life. But that doesn't change our responsibility of continuing to show love to other people. But it all goes back to this first question of what type of soil are you? And I say as a church, let's be this good soil that the crop is going to be 30, 60, or 100 times. And again, not that we start patting each other on the back. But we're like, this is what God has done through us as we have been faithful to him. Let me pray. God, I am thankful, man, that you love us more than we can imagine. And I'm thankful for the time that you have continued to sow seeds of your word. God, that we have gotten to see who you are and how much you love us and the fact that you died for us so that any kind of punishment that we deserved and we don't have to experience. I look forward to the day that we get to be in eternity with you. Fathers, we're listening to your word here and, and this story even about the soils. I pray that you'd help us as we're looking at our own hearts and help us if there are barriers to, that, to being that good soil, help us to do that. Help us to do this as a community too, not just one at a time, but God, like by ourselves. help us to be able to walk alongside of each other and to be able to serve you in all of this. God, I'm thankful for what you have brought here today and I'm thankful for what you're gonna do as we leave. And I'm so thankful for who you are and God, the fact that you want to work through us. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.